0: Like you, I'm looking very much forward to Neil coming back. (laughs) Um, He's a wonderful Bible teacher the Lord has given to us, and we're really blessed. Um, Yeah, I want to thank you, too, for those who um, prayed for me. It was a month ago I had that um, medical episode. I got dressed to come here and ended up in hospital, but um, I recovered about a week later, but um, Anyway, it's all good, and I'm so glad, man. A lot of people said they were praying for me, wondering what on earth had happened. Um, Yeah, I think poor Rosie thought she'd lost me. But I tricked her and came back. (laughs) Okay, in the passage I want to share from this morning. There are two gifts mentioned that are granted to us. Seven virtues that we need to build into our lives. uh, Two warnings and three promises. And I won't even be preaching from numbers. I'm sticking with 2 Peter chapter 2 and I'm going to read verses 1 to 15. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so short sighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right. As long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I'll make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to may be able at any time to recall these things. So uh, Peter knew that, um, well, some have said he was in the departure lounge uh, ready to um, to vacate earth and enter eternity with jesus and so he wanted to one these people to know a few things and he wanted even though he'd given to given them to them before he wanted them he wanted to uh, remind them this letter was written about 64 a.d to believers in jesus who had been suffering a lot of trials and tribulations including persecution but Also, they were in danger of being confused by false prophets and false teachers and Peter wanted them to be able to discern what was truth and what wasn't and today you and I still need to be able to discern what's right and what's wrong as far as truth is concerned because there are still false prophets today and false teachers. And if you've ever looked at YouTube, you'll find some of them there. And we need to be very careful, very discerning about what we listen to. Peter also wanted them to keep growing in their spiritual lives, to become more like Jesus in their character, in their, in the way they, in, in their thought life, the way they spoke to other people, and, uh, and even in their attitude to people and situations. He wanted them to live a life that was honoring to God. Instead of just getting by or struggling or being defeated by sin, uh, sinful desires and habits, he wanted them to really know the victory and the joy and the triumph that we've been singing about this morning. One writer says the Christian's life is not meant to be an initial spasm followed by a chronic inertia. And that's certainly the, 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 the spirit of the New Testament. So in this reading we've had what we've just had, we are told that we are granted two things. Firstly, we are granted everything, everything for life and godliness. So that's pretty encouraging. We have that. We have everything for life and godliness, and we have precious and very great promises. So the first then is everything we need for life and godliness. And this comes from his divine power, Peter said. From his divine power and this divine power is resident within us in the person of the Holy Spirit God is our total resource for living a life that is consistent or in harmony with his character and this comes through knowing Jesus an experiential knowledge of Jesus and the more we know and love Jesus the more we discover that he is sufficient for living in this world Jesus tells us how to live And he showed us how to live, how life is meant to be lived. He then gives us the power to live that life because he is that power. He is that divine power that Peter spoke of. Then secondly, we're granted precious and very great promises. And they are precious. They are great because they will be fulfilled in our lives as we live surrendered to Jesus because they come from the divine and loving heart of our Heavenly Father. If we receive these great and precious promises, it will result in us having the divine nature, Peter says. Now, we all have something of our earthly father's nature, and we may or may not appreciate that, depending what we've inherited. It's only when we are born again into God's family, that we become partakers of the divine nature, the nature of God, our Heavenly Father. And we become increasingly like him as we abide in him and he abides in us. In fact, this is the main desire. This is the main purpose of the Spirit of God to get us to be as much like Jesus as we possibly can be in this life. So that um, we manifest qualities that were found in Jesus gentleness, humility and joy, compassion, mercy and so on. As one has said, Jesus became what we are so that we might become what he is. As we live a life surrendered to the Lord Jesus and experience more and more of his divine nature working in us, we will escape the corruption, Paul calls it or the or Peter or rather or the ruin that comes to people in this world. Because of the evil desires and passions that control them. If we have these things, that is everything that pertains to life and godliness and his precious promises, then it's only because we have a faith relationship in the Lord Jesus. We came to that point sometime in our lives when we repented of our sins and we put our whole trust in Jesus and his death on Calvary and that granted us eternal salvation. It's the faith that brings us into a relationship with Jesus that will take us right into his presence in eternity. Now, some people, probably not any of us here might think that all we have to do have to be concerned about is just to know that Jesus is our savior. Just to have just to have faith in his sacrificial death on Calvary and just enough to be saved. I had a, I was involved in uh, with others in running youth camps for many years, believe it or not, for over 30 years. But I remember one guy, young guy, he was probably about 16, came to me and said, "Um, once you become a Christian, can you do whatever you like? (laughs) My response to that is once you become a Christian, you can do whatever God likes. Jesus is not a passport to heaven. And once we have it, we can live like just like anybody else. Absolutely not. There are Christ-like qualities that we should be developing, and Peter lists a few of them here in this passage that we read. In earlier times, uh, books were very expensive and not so readily available. So what they contained had to be memorized and lists were often used to help the memory. And uh, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 gives us a couple of lists. For example, he lists what he calls the works of the flesh. And then the fruit of the spirit, such as goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and so on. And when he wrote to Timothy, he said the man of God was to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And then in 2 Timothy 3, Paul gives a very long list of how things will be in the last days. But now here, coming back to Peter's list, all of these are the result of our faith relationship with Jesus apart from faith in jesus these qualities if we have them at all will be very shallow indeed so let's look at peter's list the first one is called virtue or excellence and this word was used by greek writers to describe the sum of the character character qualities that should be the desire of every believer in jesus it also has the idea of courage courage to live rightly, to live righteously according to God's pattern. The New Living Translation doesn't use the word virtue, it uses the words moral excellence, that is moral goodness. Things like modesty and purity which in short supply today. The next next um, virtue is knowledge. And again this is what they call um, in the Greek epignosis. Epignosis is experiential knowledge. It's not just having a head foot full of facts knowing leads to growing if we put into practice biblical truth in our everyday lives whether at home at work in the office driving shopping center and, and so on but it's not having knowledge for knowledge sake or wanting to know something that somebody else uh, knowing things that others don't know it's a kind of knowledge that results from listening to the word of god reading it, studying it, meditating upon it. And it helps us to choose right from wrong. If you don't increase your Bible knowledge, you will stand still and you'll even stagnate. In Hebrews 5.14, the writer there said that he was talking about God's word and he called it solid food. He said, solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so this is an ability that we all need today because lines are becoming increasingly blurred between what is good and acceptable for a believer in Jesus and what is bad and unacceptable for a Christian. So that's virtue and knowledge and now we come to the third one self control and this is keeping control of ourselves mastering our passions and and desires it's controlling our speech. Not saying everything that pops into your head or talking incessantly. It's controlling our actions, thinking before we do certain things, controlling our eating habits, sleeping habits and so on. Uh, Self-control, of course, is the fruit of the spirit mentioned in Galatians 5. The spirit-filled life is a self-controlled life. Uh, Just this past week, a mother got in touch with me and asked me to pray for her son, who's in his uh, mid-teens because he was so controlled by his phone. We've seen a bit of that, haven't we? But it means that the phone was controlling him instead of him controlling the the phone. It was a lack of self-control. And the self-control, as I said, is a gift of the spirit. A disciple of Jesus lives a disciplined life, taking responsibility for his actions and words. Thank you. <laughs> then we come to steadfastness. Steadfastness is uh, patient endurance. It's perseverance. Regardless of what happens in our lives. And the Bible has a lot to say about perseverance, something all of us are called upon to exercise, so we don't give up because the way is too hard. In Hebrews twelve two, we have the same word and it's used about the Lord Jesus when it says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and not one of us will ever have to endure anything that comes anywhere near what Jesus had to go through when he was crucified on the cross, not only the physical pain, but the but the taking on of himself of our sins and the judgment of it. We endure, we persevere through the trials and troubles of this life by the enabling power of Jesus. Peter was writing to a church who was being severely persecuted and they had to endure a lot. And so scripture um, encourages us to persevere even unto death. Uh, It's those that endure who will be saved. Then we come to godliness. I wonder what you think about when you think of godliness. Um, I think I've been to five funerals very recently. That happens when you get to our age. But um, even yesterday, I went to the funeral of a friend who was uh, known for 40 years or so, Um, a lovely man, missionary and Bible teacher. And um, yeah, those that spoke about him, spoke of him as being a very godly man. But they talk about his humility. They talked about his holiness and uh, he's certainly a hospitable man. Our family lived in their home and they uh, a number of years ago now, while they're, while they're on their final final term on the mission field. But uh, it's holiness in its practical aspect, worshipping God and serving others. And I think if we recognise someone as being godly, we're saying that that person is kind, that person is humble, gracious, gentle and so on. And remember that God has granted us all things that pertain to life and, it uh, specifically mentions godliness. So we have whatever we need to be a godly person in the person of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And then we come to brotherly kindness or brotherly affection. Now in the Greek, this word is Philadelphia. It's also the capital of Pennsylvania in USA. How would you like to live in the city of brotherly kindness? Sounds wonderful. But this is the virtue of treating other believers as you would or should treat your biological brothers and sisters and how they should treat you. Sometimes others put demands on us that uh, can be a bother because we'd rather be doing something else. But Philadelphia lays aside its own interests in order to serve others. Brotherly kindness says thank you and can I help you and so on. Then we come to the peak of these Christian virtues, love of course. This is affection, goodwill, benevolence, but it's very similar, obviously, to brotherly kindness. In John's Gospel, Jesus told his disciples that they were to love one another in the same way that he loved them. And of course, his was sacrificial love. It was very costly love. Jesus also told them that he loved them with the same love that that the father had for him. And to put it another way, the father loves Jesus. Jesus loves his disciples, and we are to love one another with that same love that the father has for the son. So it's love in action. Love is considerate, it's patient, it's kind. One writer that I've really appreciated, uh, a Welsh man who lived in the 1800s through the Welsh revival, Evan Hopkins, he said this in one of his books. A Christian is one who is to be distinguished for the gentleness and love of his spirit, the truth and sincerity of his character, the integrity and transparency of his actions. Pretty good, eh? Well summed up. So who is sufficient for these things? Are you? Am I? I know I'm not. I'm still working on them. But Jesus is. Be encouraged and Romans 5 tells us that the love of God is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of God is is has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we get in the way and we create a blockage so the spirit of God or his love can't flow through us. And that's why we need to keep coming back to the word of God to the spirit of God to cleanse us and fill us. I'm going to try and use an illustration. I have a pen here. This glove represents me by itself. It can't do a thing. If I tell it to pick up the pen, it's very disobedient. It won't do it. And in John 15. We are taught that Jesus said that we can't do anything of eternal value without him. What needs to happen with this glove? It needs inside help. Something like my hand, for example. Amazing! My glove can now pick up the glo- pick up the pen, but it couldn't do it on its own. And I can't live the life that I've been called to do unless I'm indwelt by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of Jesus. I need inside help. But Jesus is living his life through us, is operating through us, and uh, he is sufficient for these things, even though we are not. In verse 10 of the reading we had, uh, Peter says that we are to make every effort supplement our faith with these virtues or qualities unless we apply ourselves with diligence we won't become christ-like there won't be any spiritual progress it's not going to just happen by osmosis or any other way it's just we have to work on this we have to we have to seek the lord and say lord i'm failing in this area will you enable me There must be effort on our part, and these qualities are not optional. All of them must be a continual part of the Christian life. Even though they're all separate entities in Peter's list, they're not separate entities when they come to be lived out. They all are intertwined, they overlap, and they all belong to each other. We don't finish one and then start at the other, but we live them all continually. And that's why we need to study the word of God, listen to in-depth teaching and appropriate or put into practice what we read and hear. Because we're not born with godly character or born with godly habits. They must be cultivated. They must be developed. But William Barclay got the balance. He said, life is at its noblest and its best when our effort cooperates with God's grace to produce the necessary loveliness so yes i'm filled with jesus the spirit of jesus but i need to cooperate i need to cultivate these things i need to be thinking about these virtues so that uh, the spirit of god and i are working together to get me to where god wants me well, what if we don't take notice of this exhortation and we stay just as we are if we don't grow well peter says our eyesight's affected and our memories He says in verse 9, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. He says we've gone back to spiritual blindness where we don't see clearly. We don't see spiritual truths as they really are. And we can be easily deceived. And we have spiritual amnesia, having forgotten at what great cost our salvation was purchased. You know, Joan reminded us, but to be cleansed from our past sins is a most wonderful gift of God's gracious kindness toward us. Something we must never, ever forget. We must never take it for granted, but should be constantly giving thanks and praise to God for, uh, I mean, our salvation is for eternity. Eternity never ends. It's going to be joy and harmony and peace. All the things we crave for here, we will have there in eternity. And it's so important for us to give praise and thanks to God for another writer. I've enjoyed. He lived a few hundred years ago. His name was Francois Fenelon. And he, he asked this question and he was thinking of spiritual our spiritual life, spiritual realities. He said, do you live on do you live on the porch, but think you're in the house? You can think about that one. Or well, what if we do take notice of what Peter says? And do add these qualities to our living faith in Jesus. Well, Peter here mentions three great and precious promises. Promise number one, verse eight, if you possess these qualities and continue to grow in them, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I'm sure that's what we all want. and We certainly all need that. Surely we want to be effective. We want to be productive in our knowledge of Jesus. We want to grow as much as possible in this life to be like him to prepare us for the life to come. Living these qualities makes us effective and fruitful. The second promise he mentions is in verse 10. If you practice these things, he says, you will never fall. Now, that's a promise that I want to hang on to. If you practice these things, if you put them into operation in your life, you'll never fall. That's a wonderful promise of assurance. If each of these qualities is operating in our lives, and know Peter says practice, if you practice them, then you will not fall in it. We will not fall in our walk with God. We may stumble, I stumble, no doubt. Some of you stumble too, but we won't fall. How can we if we keep putting into practice godliness, self-control, brotherly kindness, love and so on. All these things that we've looked at. And then the final promise, promise number three, verse 11. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Another translation says, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, who wouldn't want that? A grand entrance. And I think another translation says something like a lavish welcome. Well, what a welcome it will be when we have applied ourselves to growing in Christ-like character. We'll be welcomed with open arms by our Redeemer, as many of our number have over recent years. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, For as many as are the promises of God, and that's what we're talking about, as many as are the promises of God, in Him they are yes. Therefore also through Him is our Amen. To the glory of god so whenever you come across a promise in the scriptures such as these um, you can immediately say to yourself amen that means me finally peter makes no apology for uh, reminding these christians about these truths he really wanted them to have a dynamic spiritual life that would be far from ordinary and we can remind ourselves by reading them over again and perhaps sharing them with others so Are you just living on the porch? but think you're in the house. Have you moved beyond the porch of spiritual rebirth? And are you moving further into the house, the house of a fuller experience of all God desires for you? We can as we cooperate with the spirit of Jesus within us. Amen. Just before we sing, I will... Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Peter, too, who uh, he certainly had his ups and downs in life. And uh, but a wonderful example to us, a man who was filled with the Spirit of God, preached the word of God and thousands were saved. And so we need to take notice of what he has to say to us. And uh, Lord, none of us are sufficient for these things. None of us can do these things apart from you. And so we pray that the Spirit of God will be our teacher not only indwell us, but, uh, but just fill us and guide us and teach us how to cultivate and live out these virtues that you ask of us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we worship in response to our great God, what he's calling us to this morning. Built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name. sing cross the line, Christ has Born a stone, the that we made strong in the same love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. What darkness. When darkness, when darkness seems to hide. See. In every heart in stormy gale, my anchor holds within the wave. Let's declare, my anchor, my anchor holds within. the city. Amen God you are Lord of all we declare that this morning we say thank you for your spirit that is with us Lord enabling us to do what you would call us to do and so Lord we pray for your leading and guiding of us this week and all that we do in Jesus name Amen great sharing this morning with you. Uh, just be reminded there's tea and coffee and cake as well outside, so don't run away. Um, make sure you stick around. Great sharing this morning.